0: Good morning Knox Church. It's been such a long time that we have been able to gather. But here we are this morning worshiping together. Let me start um, our sermon reflection today by giving a quiz. <laughs> a quiz, uh, uh, it's as if that people are not any more tired with the uh, online classes. But let me give it anyway. I will give a question and then I will provide a very long clue. And whoever gets uh, to give the correct answer first we will win or we will uh, receive this beautiful cup. And so this will be our prize for this morning. And so let me start with the quiz. Who am I? That is the question. And let me provide a clue. I am your constant companion. I am your greatest helper or heaviest burden. I will push you onward or drag you down to failure. I am completely at your command, and half of the things I do, you might as well just turn it over to me, and I will be able to give them quickly and correctly. I am easily managed. You must just be firm with me. Show me exactly what what you want something done. And after a few lessons I will do it automatically. I am the servant of few people, but alas, I am also a servant of all of those who fail. And those who do great, I will I will have made great. And those who are failures, I will make them failures. I am not a machine. I'm not sure I understand. I am not a machine. And though I work with all the precision of a machine, I have the intelligence of a human. You may run me for profit or run me for failure. It makes no difference to me. Take me, train me, be firm with me, and I will place the world at your feet. Be easy with me, and I will destroy you. Who am I? So please give your answers in the chat, and our moderator will be helping, determining who gives the right answer. Are you done? The answer is, who am I? I am habit. Isn't it not interesting that most of our Christian ways and Christian lives are habitual in nature? Most of the things we do in life are actually more of habits. The way we worship, the way we pray, the way we gather, the way we even do simple things in life. But my friends, there's nothing wrong with habits. You see, the moment habits become embraced by the whole community or a whole group, it becomes tradition. And traditions are nothing more than cultural habits. And as I have said, there's nothing wrong with habits. There's nothing wrong with traditions. But we need to be aware of things and habits that are becoming mechanical. And by mechanical, it means that we're just going through the motions. We need to be aware as well of traditions and things that we do that are superficial, that we focus on the letter of the law rather than on the spirit of the law. And third, we need to be aware of things and traditions and rituals that are becoming juridical. And by juridical, I mean that we become legalistic and rule-bound. And this is always, and these are always the things that we need to be aware of. And the reason why I'm speaking about it this morning is because of the fact that this is where we are, we are being led at in terms of the discussion and argument of Jesus with the Pharisees. They were arguing about tradition, about ritual hand cleansing. But you see, the issue that Jesus was trying to delve at with regard to the Pharisees wasn't just an issue of tradition. It speaks about the deeper meaning and the impact of tradition on holiness. And why is that the case? Because all of these traditions and the habits that the Pharisees have been doing are actually about holiness. And by holiness, we are talking about the need to be set apart. Holiness means that we are set apart for God. And holiness is central to the identity of the Jews, central to the identity of the Israelites. In fact, in, in chapter 14, verse 2, it says that you are a holy people chosen by Yahweh, your God, to be separate from all other nations. And so that, that, that aspect of separateness, of being set apart from, from God, is really central and core to the identity of the, of the Israelites and the Jews. And no wonder that the Pharisees were really clamoring about the need for people to follow these traditions. Because these traditions are layers and layers that are being built to cover up this aspect of holiness. And and that issue about uncleanness is really about holiness. It was not about anything else. It wasn't just about tradition for tradition's sake. It was about holiness. But the point is that Jesus was veering away from that meaning of holiness towards another aspect, and that is to be holy in regards to how we are being set apart by God. And this is basically true also with regards to our Christian lives. It's not just the issue of the lives of the Jews. It's also our issue as Christians. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it, we are being called that we are a holy and chosen people, a royal priesthood, and that we are being called from darkness into light. And so this issue of being separate and being set apart from God is not just an issue for the Israelites and for the Jews. It is an issue for us. But Jesus is a way and a different way of looking at this. What does this mean then, and what is he trying to delve at and trying to drive at with regards to the argument of the Pharisees, with regards particularly to the traditions of hand cleansing and to the traditions regarding holiness? Primarily, Jesus is talking about the need that holiness is not about external manifestation, but an inner transformation. It's, it's not just about what you do. It's about what is inside of you. And so the pharisees were just so concerned about external observances. The pharisees were just so concerned about doing things externally. And so it's no wonder that Jesus called them hypocrites. And so Jesus quoted Isaiah chapter 29 verse 13 when Jesus said they this this people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far away from me. And so Jesus called them hypocrites. Because in a way, they are pretending and they are just doing something that does not really speak of who they are and what God wants them to be. You see, it's interesting because in the context of of the Israelites during that time, the the Greek tradition is really also very, very strong. And what's interesting is that the word for hypocrite in Greek is Hippocytos. And when you speak about hypocrite, it means that it's... It's an, a a hypocrite is an actor that wears masks to portray a character in Greek theater. And so, in a way, a hypocrite is someone who is just acting. But the crucial thing about the word that Jesus speaks of about hypocrisy is this, that it is not just about pretending. It's also about the fact that someone is pretending to be good when, in fact, deep within, inside him, he is a bad person. And what's interesting as well is this that the mask that the actors wear is what we call as persona. The mask that the actors wear is what we call as persona. Is it not interesting that in our own lives, sometimes we create our own Christian persona for the purpose? of showing this to the world that this is who we are. But deep inside inside us, we are totally a different person. Deep within us, we are struggling with sin. And, And so we pretend, we pretend for someone whom we are not. But our Christian life is not a social role. Our Christian life is something that has to be central to our own identity as being separate from God, from darkness into light. Holiness is not an external manifestation, but an inner transformation. Second, holiness is not self-directed, but God-centered. You see, the Pharisees were just so concerned about their own self-promotions. In fact, they were doing all of those things for the purpose of being shown by the public that they are holy and they are righteous. They want to be seen as holy. But you see, religious acts do not make us holy. Religious acts do not make us righteous. It is only through the act of Christ and his blood that makes us righteous. And so it is for that reason that Jesus was driving at the fact that what makes us unclean is not what is in the outside, but what is within us. And this is what we need to be aware of, that what makes us righteous is not the things that we do, but on the need for the constant and inner transformation in our lives. We need to realize the gravity of sin that affects us. We need to to, to realize the gravity and, and the depth of sin in our lives. Not only for those who have not yet received Christ, but even for Christians themselves. Because even in spite of the fact that you have received Christ in your life, you would still be struggling with sin. And so what is needed would be that inner transformation. And what makes us unclean would be the things that are within us in our hearts. Last Ash Wednesday last year, I was talking about the fact that we are already victorious over sin as Christians, not because we were able to win sin because of our own actions to be righteous, but because of the fact of two things that Christ has done for us. First, that we are victorious over sin because of the fact that it is positional, positional in regards to our position in Christ. And second, it is progressive because it is Christ who changes us. It is Christ who makes us change until the time we attain the fullness of His life that He has given us. Friends, righteousness and holiness is not about our action towards God. It is God's action towards us. No matter what we do, no matter what external observances we do, we could never be holy before God until the time that He changes us. Third, we need to realize that holiness... It's not just about an issue of morality, but also an issue of spirituality. And by this, we are not talking about right actions that make us holy. It is our relationship with God that makes us holy. Our Christian life is not embedded in terms of the things that we do. It is not in terms of our righteous actions. It it is not in terms of our rituals. It is not in terms of our traditions. It is about the fact that what makes us holy is God's actions in our lives. What makes us holy is not just for us to do the right thing and to avoid what is wrong. Because no matter what we do, we would be constantly struggling with sin in our lives. And so Paul had even said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? That which I want to do, I could not do, but that which I don't want to do, I do. And this is a reflection not only of people who are not Christians, this is a reflection of people who are even in Christ. That almost on a daily basis we are constantly struggling with sin. And so our actions, whether it might be right, would never make us holy. And Christianity, therefore, and our relationship with Christ, is not based on that morality, but it is based on spirituality. It is based on our relationship with Christ. Only his blood Only the work of Christ in our lives could make us holy. And that's why in verses 17 to 23, Jesus has always been uh, pushing towards the fact that what is important would be the changes that is within us, the evil that is within us that could be changed only by God. Does that mean that we do not strive to do moral things? Of course not. We do need, and God calls us to do what is right, to do what is moral. But at the end of the day, that action towards morality, that action towards what is right is not because of our action, but it is because of the power of Christ that is in us. It is the result of the enabling of the Spirit. It is not because of our action. Friends, we are being called to be holy, to be set apart. And being set apart doesn't mean that we would be much better than other people because we are not. Except for the grace of Christ, we are nothing. Except for the grace of Christ, we are the same as with all other people in this world, constantly struggling with sin. It is not because of our action that makes us holy. It is only the action of God in our lives that would make us holy. But what does this mean in conclusion with regards to our own mission? What does this mean in terms of our own testimony towards other people? How do we invite people then? If this is not about morality, if this is not about triteness, then what is it then? Because if you come to think of it, when you try to invite people according to the aspects and the requirement for morality, people would stumble. Because people would see that you are struggling with sin on a daily basis. In fact, there's, basic, there's really no basic difference between Christians and non Christians when it comes to morality. So many Christians are constantly struggling with sin and doing sin on a daily basis. So how then do we invite people? How then can we make our testimony really be impactful? This is what's important that we need to recognize. The common way of inviting people in our lives would be this process of telling them about Jesus. And then we require them to behave, to do the moral thing. To do what is required, to do all the rules and regulations and traditions that we require of them. Only then do we invite people to belong. But this is not Christ's way. Christ's way is an act of inclusion, Christ's way is an act of compassion. And so Jesus starts with that aspect of belonging, of inviting people first into his kingdom, into his body. And only then would he reveal himself as his Lord and Savior. And only then would that person believe that Jesus is his Lord and Savior. And from that, people would be in that state of becoming. Becoming because it is the action of God that changes those people. It is the action of God that makes people attain into that fullness that Christ has uh, uh, resulted and has stated for every person. Jesus' way is an act of compassion and Jesus' way is an act of inclusion. Why don't we do that? Why don't we just invite people in our midst? And only then can we share the gospel, and only then will the Holy Spirit work in the lives of that person. That is Jesus' way. We could see that in terms of, of, of the things that Jesus had done in the scriptures. The, in terms of the fact that when, when he, he had forgiven that woman who was caught in adultery, that was an act of belonging first. That was the same story as well with that Samaritan woman at the well. When Jesus just talked with her and and invited her into that space of belongingness and only then that that life of that woman was changed. It is also found in the story of the Good Samaritan because the religious people were the ones who were actually speaking and focusing on rituals and, and moral requirements when in fact, God only requires of us to do what is right, to do what is proper and to do what is that sense of belongingness. My friends, this is the way of Christ. That This is the way of inclusion, the way of uh, compassion. Let me end with these words today. Let me end with this conclusion. Many churches today are becoming museums of tradition rather than a mosaic of transformation. Let me repeat that. Many churches and even Christian groups today are becoming museums of tradition, of rituals, of morality, rather than a mosaic of transformation. God requires of us to be transformed, to be holy, but that holiness could only come through the work of Christ in our lives. And so as we reflect on this, I would like to pose two questions today. First, What traditions, rituals, regulations do we have that hinder people from coming to Christ? And second, what habits, traditions, and rituals do we have that are not genuine expressions of our relationship with God? Let us find time today to reflect on these questions.